Welcome to The Unstoppable Singer. I'm your host, Danielle Tucker, a professional vocalist, vocal coach, and a lead singer of the Mighty Untouchables Band. I'm also the producer and host of the Pandemic Proof Singer Summit and The Unstoppable Singer. The Unstoppable Singer follows the lives of real professional singers who've made incredible achievements in their lives and careers. We cover everything from voice work, making money, booking gigs, songwriting, recording, session work, and more. If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button so you never miss another podcast. Now on with the show. My wonderful guest tonight is Fletcher Sheridan. He is a highly sought after and versatile session singer, arranger, and vocal contractor. Uh, In his career so far, Fletcher has worked on 500 plus projects for film, television, and media. He has recorded on albums with the likes of Bobby McFerrin, Michael Jackson, Sir Paul McCartney, and Steve Vai. Just to name a few, though. Uh, Outside the studio, he has toured and performed all over the world, most recently singing backup for Portugal the Man and Hans Zimmer. Uh, He is a featured cast member for Nightmare Before Christmas Live, uh, helping Danny Elfman bring all the characters from Halloween Town to life. And for years, Fletcher was a member of the internationally acclaimed vocal group Impact, eventually becoming their chief arranger and music director. He was also a part of the Los Angeles Master Chorale, the Los Angeles Chamber Singers, and the Meltones. So without further ado, let me bring Fletcher on. Hello, hello. Hello. Good evening to you. Thanks for joining me tonight. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's great to meet you online. You as well. We've we've been, you know, the Venn diagrams finally come together and here we yes. are. <laughs> the stars have aligned. The networks have collided. But Indeed. I'm so glad to have you here and get to know you better tonight. Thank um, you. It's it's you know exciting reading your uh, your bio and your background and of course I've um, Instagram stalked you too. So I see oh, all of boy. the amazing <laughs> projects you've had going on. But tell me more. You know, we're not terribly far into 2023 yet. What's been going on for you this year so far? For me, it's uh, this year, it's been a transitional year in in my career. I think I spent a lot of time in my journey being shy or insecure, um, doubting my 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 experience and and not trusting it. And this year, the last year or in a half or so, I've been grateful to come across situations that have compelled me to get over myself and say, hey, you know what? You've been doing this for a minute and maybe you do know what you're talking about or at least can find the people who do know what they're talking about. Um, that's been great. You know, stepping into leadership roles, being the L.A. singer chair for sag I'm one of the conductors now for a LA Choral Lab, a choir for which I sing. I'm I'm conducting half the show, you know, getting to, to conduct a choir, which I think if you had asked me two years ago, I would have I would have scoffed at you. <laughs> um, but it's it's kind of it's been really exciting just in my own in my own mindset, these opportunities that that have compelled me to rise to the occasion. And and assume these these roles that kind of require more, I don't know, the lack of a better word, responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, leading a rehearsal, conducting a choir, you know, getting to do more vocal contracting, 
being the LA singer chair, you know, being these positions that that I would in previous years felt like a a total imposter. You know, I, I spent so many years with imposter syndrome. Um, it's I'm grateful that these opportunities come along that are helping me get over that. Yeah, it really is. What an incredible thing, imposter syndrome. So lovely because it really seems to creep up when like the biggest opportunities of our careers come along. And that's when Absolutely. it's really, you know, seems to be most prominent in all of our lives where we've worked, we've we've done the schooling, yeah. we've done the training, we've we've paid the dues, we've gained the experience. And then when when it's time to arrive and do what you've prepared for, then we're like, um, I hopefully no one figures out that like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> totally. Totally. I, I think it's, maybe it's a result of just the way uh, a friend of mine told me one of the great things about this business is there's no, there's no top of the ladder. You, there's no, there's no, I become CEO of this company, you know, game over. I won, I won the game. You're yeah. always climbing and you're always, I, I think with that, it's easy at least it was in my journey to kind of accidentally bleed in the imposter syndrome. Cause in order for that climate, you kind of have to feel like the underdog the whole time yeah. and uh, getting to kind of let myself be an established person and, you know, mm -hmm. Hey, I've been doing this for 30 years. Maybe I can get over that now. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I know. Maybe maybe a healthy doses of it are okay yeah. because it does kind of keep the ego in check, but it also keeps you motivated to keep bettering, keep learning, keep absolutely, um, you know, kind of entering into some of these things with a, a fresh mind. So I guess when you when you step into like larger roles, uh, you know, if you step into it thinking that like no, this will be no big deal, then where's the fun in that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, and also accepting that there will be situations that you don't necessarily have all the answers for, but just trusting your your body of experience. Like you said, yeah. you know, you spent the time training, you spent the time cutting your teeth, mm -hmm. doing things. And those are experiences that you that are completely valid that you can call upon. Yeah, I think it's something that we we all eventually are going to experience if we don't experience it just for a lifetime, you know, if it's not something that just sticks with us forever. Um, I've got Edie in the comments and she says that Fletcher is unstoppable. Oh, hi, Edie. <laughs> I think she's saying I'm so in love with you. I think she meant to put the word love in there. And she says therapy and terrific friends help me with my imposter syndrome. So me too same z's yeah really helps with who you surround yourself with and you no know no doubt and, for, and also as you get older there's this wonderful body of experiences that you can call upon when that voice in your brain mm -hmm. starts to get loud and say hey nice try i've got all this wonderful empirical evidence that is 30 years of doing this <laughs> you know? yeah so keep it down voice in my head Right, right. Um, yeah. Which sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it's been working more lately than in previous years. Yeah. And why do you think that is? What do you, what do you think has uh, helped you reframe that? Is it, is it the experiences that you're referencing or did... Um... It's the experiences. It's, mm -hmm. it's not... It's getting rid of the doubt and fear. It's, it's those experiences paired with stepping into these roles and knowing I have something to offer. Mm -hmm. Like the LA singer chair thing, I, 
even a year before that happened, I would have not wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. But realizing that I can, I can do that and I have something to offer that. And if I didn't think I should do it, I would truly want, I would, I would say, Hey, somebody else, that other person would be excellent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that just trusting that and saying, okay, I could do this. I have something to offer. Let's go. Yeah. And it's, it's been so liberating because more times than not, while there are of course going to be bumps in the road, mm-hmm. it's come out, it's, I've come out on the other side stronger and, and more, more confident in my skills and my abilities. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And you are, you've got some great big roles um, that you're involved in now. And I want to dive into those specifically um, into vocal contracting, because that's a world that I'm not necessarily, you know, too experienced in. But before we do that, I want to kind of journey back in time just to see what has led you thus far. And so tell me about how you got your start. Did you come from a musical family or... Uh, where did music uh, ignite in your life? Um, I did come from a musical family. Um, my mom was a professional songwriter. And uh, so I grew up around lots of singers singing. My mom and I sang together. I think one of my first memories is, you know, singing in harmony with her uh, Sesame Street as, you know, a little, little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my dad, while he was not a musician, he had excellent taste in music, you know, Steely Dan. I got my I got my Steely Dan reference in. Um and <laughs> and uh Lambert Hanks and Ross and you know, geez, I remember we even listened to a Dan Hicks and his hot licks. I mean, he, you know, he had such an eclectic taste. My my mom did too. I mean, Joni Mitchell and mm-hmm. and she was way into singer-songwriters, Billy Joel and Todd Rundgren and Laura Nero, I think is one of her favorites. Oh wow. So I I grew up around a lot of music. Um, and my mom put me in, in music classes pretty early. I was doing musical theater from a very young age. <laughs> I, I, I tend to joke that, you know, I got the parts because I was the one kid that could, you know, the one boy that could sing. I got all the leads. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that scene in Wonder Years, the, the one kid holding out the note. Um, but, you know, I, I so I, I casually liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um was shy about it, was really shy about singing until I got to high school. Okay. I was 14 and suddenly I went to this music uh, school and it was, yeah, finally I was around my tribe. It was this revelation in my life and I I went full choir nerd and I never stopped. Yes. Um, Yeah, it's truly, it was, it was, you know, I was accepting this big part of myself that, you know, had low key been pretty central to my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I was cool with everyone letting know letting them know I played French horn. That was okay, totally cool. But singing, no way. Yeah. <laughs> Until then, um, so I went to high school. Uh, I mean, I'm 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 paraphrasing a lot. Um, I mean, you know, I, I had amazing teachers along the way. Um, Karen Toby uh, was one of them. As a little kid doing musical theater, we would do improv, mm-hmm. and as part of our prep for the musicals, and. Uh, I think that improv element has really informed my functionality in the studio, which we'll talk about later. Mm. Um, you know, great teacher in high school. I just, my, my path is on the shoulders of wonderful teachers who uh, believed in me, kicked my butt, um, made me 
not just rest on my laurels. I went to a, a high school with a bunch of talented people, and I figured out really quickly that talent is the bare minimum for mm. what we do. Oh, that's wow. the least. That's the least you can Great be. Statement. Great statement. Because um, <laughs> yeah, everyone. I was in a school surrounded by why wunderkinds you know mm -hmm. they're all excellent players singers dancers um so yeah not resting on my laurels yes i had a lot of raw talent um and that's always been kind of at the core of me is i'm with that and and you know the imposter syndrome thing working in my favor constantly like no one's going to take me seriously i gotta take jazz arranging i gotta take harmony i gotta take musicianship everyone's going to think i'm a singer who doesn't know what he's talking about mm -hmm. um you know, in that way, it kind of fueled me paired with my obsession with singing and vocal music, especially um, harmony. I mean, once I started listening to Take Six, I rediscovered them in my in my high school uh, journey and, you know, blow my mind blown wide open. Mm -hmm. um, you know, New York Voices, Rio Group, all the, you know, the vocal jazzies, um, all that stuff inform my journey and then my first session um i was 13 for david foster's solo christmas album um and i don't even remember who called me on it i just did it and it was fun I'm like okay that's cool they fed us pizza i like pizza and we sang a song <laughs> uh, but flash forward to my first film call which was anastasia uh and it was this lightning bolt moment that changed me forever okay uh it was you know back in the day when they they recorded everything at the same time this the choir the orchestra the children's choir all together and on sony scoring stage with the giant screen showing the movie my you know my 16 15 16 year old brain just it, i have to do this forever i don't know how i must have been so obnoxiously happy because <laughs> on the, hi everyone how you doing oh, this is great it's a great day i, I was it was really I was so that it informed every decision on my path from that point on. Yeah, yeah. So you had an early trajectory into studio work. Yeah, um, and you were you were already in the live performance space with doing musical theater. Uh, but it sounds like early on, before becoming a vocal contractor, you were also touring, doing some background vocals for for uh, other artists. How did that come to be? Um, the touring, especially with Impact, came about just through the people I'd met in town. You know, mm -hmm. I was I was doing the studio thing, LA Master Chorale, and and this phone call came, and that group needed uh, an alto, mm -hmm. and I auditioned for it, thinking I totally bombed it, but I didn't. And they asked me to join them, and I did, and got to tour the world, and and really get my butt kicked. As another one of those situations where it demanded of me more than I thought I could give. I, I dealt with, you know, I, I feel like I grew up in this. Most people grow up singing live and the studio freaks them out. For me, the studio is kind of where I grew up and singing live freaked me out. Right. And I remember horrible anxiety before every show, days leading up to shows. Mm -hmm. um, and that only got worse when I jumped up to soprano and suddenly i'm i'm facing this demon that i didn't really realize was a demon mm. um and I, I had i i got through it with my friends that were with me mm -hmm. um 
I wish I had known about propranolol. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's a stage fright drug. Um, really? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Okay, I know exactly. Propranolol. What you're about. I've never um, heard it. I've never heard it referenced to take. Uh, for it's usually it was initially found. I know, side note or sidebar. Initially prescribed as a blood pressure medication, mm -hmm. but they found out it's this amazing uh, assist for stage fright anxiety. Wow. Um, which I really didn't know about. So I went through this all by myself, which, which, you know, I came out the other side of it feeling so empowered. And suddenly I'm seeing soprano in the group and squealing, you know, there's nowhere to hide anymore. Yeah. Um, and I really had to face, face that. Mm -hmm. And it, it really empowered me mm -hmm. um, paired with uh, some other studio experiences we can talk about in a bit um, working with a, a composer and Edie actually <laughs> mm -hmm. um, John Powell working with him um, at around the same time was just the, these two combined things that really made me get over myself mm -hmm. and stop freaking out or at least know that it's not about ego, it's about surrender. You know, you're you're a vessel for whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. And getting out of the way and just having fun goes a lot better than trying to worry control into being. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I want to uh, go back to a statement that you made about um, when you were in school saying that you were really, really piling on the uh, the theory, all, all of the courses, the, the educational academia aspects of it. Um, be, and you said because you wanted to be taken seriously, you didn't want to ha be a singer that nobody took seriously, which is, you know, really quite common in in um, the industry is that you're, ju you're just a singer. Um, what do you think, what do you attribute to having influence that need inside of you do you think it was because you had parents who were musicians and kind of got it and knew that aspect of it or was it the influence of being around other musicians in school i would say i would say that um you know my mom was the one that definitely aided me along my journey growing up but we never really focused on the musicianship side of it not a bad thing, it was especially when you're a little kid, you know, okay, here's how to read 5-8 to a seven-year-old, you know, mm -hmm. at least not this seven-year-old. I didn't, you know. <laughs> um, but it really, it, it was an extension of of wanting to work more in films, you know, doing that that score as a little kid. Like, okay, need to read, need to understand what I'm looking at. It's a language, you know, mm -hmm. I, I need to speak this language. This is the language that gets things done quickly. And I'm, 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 I'm going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Now I think that speaks so much again to who surrounds you in your life and that influence that they have on you, because I have found that, um, with a lot of young singers who are, you know, aspiring to be in the business, um, they really do come into it with that, you know, the talent is the most important thing mentality. And I think just our society is really on that wavelength as well with like the, the um, TV competitions and, and sure. believing that everything's going to come together for you in one shot if you can just get on one of these shows, you know, but the reality is, is that it is so much more 
than just singing. You know, it is, it, it's a whole, um, it's a whole lot of hats that you have to wear and wear them very well. And, yes. uh, I think that's, it's, um, I don't know how you overcome that for fit for, for singers who, you know, aren't, don't have the family influences or, you know, aren't going to music specific schools, but I guess maybe the answer I'm looking for here is that mentorship is so important. Mentorship. Yeah. Absolutely. And it, you know, yes, it can come from family. Um, I, you know, I, I think it, it, it finds a way my, my, uh, mom's partner, he grew up in a non-musical family and came about, he, he <laughs> go to his friend's house to practice. Like he found a way. And he was this, he's this brilliant musician, guitar player, toured with, um, oh, what's his name? He blinded me with science. What's his name? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Oh, that's gone. Oh, well, that's what having a kid will do. It for us. <laughs> <My Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Save uh, us. And it's it's going to be one of those things that annoys us when we... Me. Thank you, Edie. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be one of those things that annoys us when we find out. Like, oh, come on. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's mentorship is always important. Mm -hmm. I don't think I, I, in anything, really, I don't I don't think anyone can just. Suddenly be this. Be a career or anything without mm -hmm. some kind of mentorship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it may be in the movies, right. but I think. And and what you're talking, you know, those you know those diamond in the rough things are that that are cultivated on TV, which make for great TV. Yeah. Um, but building a career and the long game requires some some people along the path. Sure, sure. And I think if you don't have that mindset and you have you haven't had that background either, and you are put in that situation where you maybe get a just unusual shot, you know, to, um, experience maybe like overnight success, I guess, if you want to call it that from a TV show or something, I think if you, once you are kind of thrown into the fire of the business, um, without having that foundation laid for you, I think there's a stronger likelihood that you're going to struggle, you know, as the reality of, of that career sets in for you. I think my, my feeling on it is it's relatively easy. This I'm I haven't had time to think through exactly how I want to say this, but here we go. Uh, you know, I think it's relatively easy to get a shot. Yeah. But with the caveat that what's the that the real work comes once you've gotten your toe in that door, and and it's even harder. So here we go. Revision number one. It's hard to get your shot, but even harder to take that shot and, and cultivate it into a career. Because mm. um, that requires a lot of repeated slamming your head against the wall. Yeah. At least that's, that's what I, I feel like I've encountered in my journey. The shot is always going to be tricky because that's the pressure. That's the first impression. Mm -hmm. But then the long game gets involved and it's a whole other level of difficulty that now suddenly, you know, you're how you play with others comes in, comes in and, and the reputation you build for yourself and the things that you use to cultivate your skill. You know, that one little shot was a cool little preview of how awesome you are. And now, now you, you open the door and show them the rest of how awesome you are. Right. 
Absolutely. I know. And I always say, I say this over and over again, um, on this show is to never take for granted whether a shot is big or little really, because absolutely they are absolutely seeds. They're simply seeds that are planted yes. and one thing leads to another, to another, to another. And that's a great observation because sometimes the shot you're waiting for a specific shot to look a specific way. Yeah. Yeah. And oh wait, there it was right there, but it didn't look exactly like you thought it was going to look mm -hmm. or feel exactly like you thought it was going to feel and whoops. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, I um speaking of getting your shots, I want to continue on your journey leading up to the vocal contracting. Tell us about what were some of those opportunities that came along for you that were kind of um some of those transitional opportunities for you that were big and, and, you know, did you have any struggles along the way with any of those? Um, the, you know, we kind of touched on them earlier. Mm -hmm. um, the experience with impact really mm -hmm. getting me to, to push my abilities vocally to a place that I'd only really thought theoretically possible. Mm -hmm. um, certainly not in front of a, an you know a, a performing an auditorium full of people mm -hmm. um that was liberating working with john powell was liberating because prior prior to him and Edie, <laughs> um you know my my session experiences had been about you know be fast be just go 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 don't screw up I, and this is all in my head no one's telling me this for the love of god no but um getting into that situation where they're like, well, also, sorry, I'm, I'm just so excited. 12 ideas trying to get through the door at once, you know, prior to that experience, the music that I was used to making for film happens at the very end. You know, they've, they've edited the movie, they've cut it. The score has been done. The orchestra has been done. They're just putting some vocals on the top mm -hmm. before they kick it out the door. This was working on a film that wasn't going to come out for three years and they didn't have the cast lined up yet. And, oh, I got to write this song about this town. Uh, let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. It was this workshop thing. And I and being at the the point of creation for the first time mm -hmm. with this amazing composer um, did multiple things. One. His style was such, and Edie's as well. We were not, we were there to just throw it at the wall, whatever it is, which I, again, in the studio setting, I'd never been asked to do. Uh, like, well, can you, can you do this weird thing with your voice? Great. Sure. Let's try it. Um, getting to do that and have it go, you know, be used and usable um, was so liberating because I'd come from a fear place. Mm. in in the studio up to that point and then there was this approach where i could just let go and just throw it at the wall and well either it's great or maybe i'm gonna sit this one out and it's okay mm -hmm. i didn't just trash it it was it was that spirit that really set me free um mm -hmm. paired with impact um and that going well um those did a lot for my my confidence in what i could do mm -hmm. um seeing uh, the other thing it did was humanize the creative process for me watching john do his thing mm -hmm. and being just 
a regular guy. You know, we, we have this romanticized notion of the tortured composer scribing away in his cave of, or her cave of, uh, cave of solitude, you know, and out comes, they walk out of the darkness days later and they have this opus for us all to enjoy. And it's so <laughs> not like that. They have deadlines. They, they procrastinate like, like we do. They mm -hmm. don't, you know, if I didn't have a deadline, I wouldn't do a thing. They're like that too. Yeah. It humanized the whole thing. And it, it made me, not feel like such a lazy expletive. Um, <laughs> like, okay, so so great. I've I've got this confidence now, and the process. You know, my process isn't isn't. I, I had if I had over romanticized their process, I under romanticized my process mm -hmm. with arranging with 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 it, all of that stuff. Um, and it, it really those those two things combined at that point really really turned my head around mm -hmm. um watching studio greats like like randy and sally randy crenshaw sally stevens bobby page rick logan the hall sisters the joyces watching these people who are just titans and walk in and read it rick logan to this day i'm calling him out <laughs> best the rick logan and the hall sisters can read like nobody's business and i got to grow up around that and be inspired by that especially at that age you know in my 20s and into my 30s mm -hmm. really really getting to be have my my uh my butt handed to me on a regular basis for about 15 years mm -hmm. yeah um and I'm, there's so many more i'm i'm sure i'm leaving out and i i hope Whoever I'm thinking out, I don't upset. Um, <laughs> but uh, those really did change everything for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like there. I mean, what's coming up for me is is you're speaking so much to like what what performance anxiety is like and the opportunities that kind of help us overcome them. And I just had this conversation the other day um, with a friend because I I have always struggled with a certain degree of performance anxiety and I'm more of a live performance singer. Um, and mine has manifested in always needing to be able to see lyrics and just the way my mind panics and, and my response to that. And, um, I've never quite faced it head on, you know, so that it's not a thing for me. But, and now I find that as I'm getting older, it's getting worse for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, you know, and it's, it's really kind of become, um, you know, a hindrance for me, even like this far into my career, you'd think I, I, I wouldn't think of it, but I, I think I have, um, maybe, I don't know, denied that it's a performance anxiety, right? So um, I love how you're talking about how you, you know, your process in the studio and just allowing yourself to be vulnerable enough to like make the weird sounds, throw things at the wall, just allow the creative process to happen that once you just kind of faced it and, and did the work that you know, that's what opened up the gates for all of these other future opportunities for you. It was, it was a, a trying set of years, but so rewarding. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. While it was happening, I was a mess, an absolute yeah. mess. Y you know, there's, there's no two ways about it. 
um, especially the impact thing. That was, you know, one of my the, the, my internal victories that I'm most proud of was the journey with that and and facing that anxiety and that doubt head on and and winning, mm-hmm. which you don't think is going to happen when you're freaking out about it. Right. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm grateful for those those moments, and of course with with the impact guys, they're you know it was a great set of guys to do with. We were we have sang together and toured together. We were really tight knit, and I remember before one show, just after soundcheck, going back to my hotel room and just crying, mm-hmm. anxiety crying. Yeah, and my buddy, one of my friends in the group, could definitely tell because I'm a horrible. My poker face is not really a poker face. <laughs> and he, he came and, and talked and just kind of talked me down because I, I was spiraling hard. Hmm. And, when I, and I, in that moment, realized that this was, this was my pro, becoming my process before shows. Mm. Like, I'm, I'm, my, my, my little heart's going to burst out of my chest if I don't do something about yeah. this. Yeah. Um, and they got better from there. Yeah. Mm. Leaning on my friends, you know, that was where I, in the beginning, found my strength was looking down the line and seeing my, seeing my bandmates, mm-hmm. and then being brand, you know, being vulnerable and letting them in on that process. Mm-hmm. Um, helped me. Yeah, yeah. And now, and then years later, you know, years, you know, this is way in the future. I find propranolol and I try it. I'm like, well, why didn't I just do that? Right. <laughs> if you'd only known, there's just a pill for it. <laughs> a magic pill. <laughs> <laughs> but but again, then I don't know how I would feel about that journey and how I'm how empowered and how I mean I you know I'm I don't know where I land on that because it informed my development in my 30s so profoundly and my mm-hmm. confidence mm-hmm. Um, that I almost but at the same time I know how physically taxing that type of anxiety is for long periods of time and I don't know that I would want my body to endure that again. Mhm. So I guess it's just one of those it happened the way it happened. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. I'm so glad you shared that. It's it's just personally inspiring for me, you That's know, having wonderful. dealing with this just weird why is this? You know, why do I still have this thing all these years later? But hey, you know, it, and and the more the the more I walk this path, the more it, it's all eighty five percent mental. Whatever we're doing is there's so it's all about this and singers especially since our our whole app, apparatus is interconnected. If if we're not if we're beating ourselves up in here, it's there's no way it's not gonna affect this. No, yeah, and that's you know. It's unfortunate, but it's it's real, and it's but that's part of what's so wonderful about the human voice is that this, you know, composers use the the voice because it's the connection point to emotion for most mm-hmm. people, whether they know it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When you add vocals to something, that it humanizes it. It's it is through that emotion that we are we're worth something. That sounds horrible, but it's it's that vulnerability. It's it is. It's that line we walk um, to do what we do. Right, right. Uh, it's I, I, I had this exact conversation and we talked um, about the emotional aspect of it as well uh, because my friend asked me like, well, what, what, 
what made you fall in love with music and singing in the first place. And I know for sure, I loved the way it made me feel. I loved the way I could make other people feel. And seeing that there was no better, you know, nothing felt better to me than to be able to move someone and, you know, create, stir some kind of emotion. It gave me such, you know, gratification. And today, when I do find myself in a more confident position and I'm free and not so worried about, you know, uh, perfection and, and looking at lyrics and, and things like that, you know, those are the moments that I, I am most liberated and just fully, fully the performer, um, that I'm, you know, meant to be. But the second I get in my head and think like, Oh, you know, wait, what am I doing? You, you know, we go, we, we strip the very essence of what it is that we're trying to create away by letting yep. the thoughts take over. Absolutely. It's, um, it, and it never stops being a thing, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, I still, we, you never stop waging that battle internally. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't always win even, even still, even while I just got done talking about how I won, I don't always, <laughs> <laughs> I don't always win. Um, even still, and you know, it's it's just like our careers. You never you never own the company. That's what my friend used to say. You never own the company because yeah. there's no corporate ladder to climb. There's no um, way to say you've made it. Yeah. Um, so there's always things to work on internally. Your instrument, your your mind, which is part of your your instrument, I would say as well. Yeah. Yeah, truly. Uh, I don't want to neglect the comments over here, but I uh, I just need you to know that Edie is over here. She's singing your praises, and uh, Taylor and Francesca also in the comments. Taylor, my sister's here. Ah, <laughs> sister Taylor. <laughs> hey, Taylor. Yes, she's the one that remembered Thomas Dolby. Thank you, Taylor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, I want to uh, I want to ask more questions about the life of a um, vocal contractor. So for our singers who are completely unfamiliar with this world, uh, because it is kind of a, a a smaller inner circle, it seems, you know, to to uh, singers maybe who aren't like in the Los Angeles area, don't, aren't really part of that at least local community. Tell me what the life process is of. Um, uh, uh, a gig that comes up for you, um, maybe from start to finish, or like what the day in the life of a vocal contractor looks like, or <laughs> or, the, or the six month span of, of right. these projects. It's it really runs the gamut. Yeah. Um, it's in my my experience, you know, you you can get a call from a, a composer or an instrumental contractor. Hey, need a budget. Usually starts with a budget. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think the role of local contractor has become a lot of things over the decades, but, um, and I, I have Sally in my mind loud and clear. The, it, it, the role was created by SAG-AFTRA, or then SAG, mm -hmm. to facilitate paperwork. That's it. Mm -hmm. there, would they, you know, there are roles that it has absorbed over the years, like conducting the choir, helping cast the singers, helping do all these other things. But at its core, it's paperwork management. Mm -hmm. um, and I have found 
that even now that is still true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yes, I, I I come at it from the background of being in the trenches for a long time, working in the community, being involved at the union, knowing as much as I possibly can about about the code and the paperwork and all the ins and outs of that. Um, but anyway, it starts with the budget. Um, they'll say, okay, well, let's, how about if, you know, if it's a number and I have an idea for how it could be cheaper based mm-hmm. on my experience, you know, knowing the contracts, there are ways in certain situations to save them some money. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm helping them with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm helping administer paperwork to the choir, you know, clear them with the union, manage the payroll stuff. Um, yeah, and, and sometimes then I'm conducting the choir on the scoring stage. Mm. Um, you know, planning out the queue orders. You know, oh, well, we, this queue has a bunch of low A's in it. The bases are going to key my car if I don't do those first in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, little things like that. Um, it really can run the gamut. And then sometimes you're just there running the paper. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, but it, and it depends on the production. You know, some some productions know the score, you know, really easy to do. Some aren't as experienced with it, and there's a lot of hand-holding involved. Like, okay, now I need to send you these forms, and you need to talk to the payroll company. Like, you're, you're helping connect the dots administratively. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's really this, for, for me, it's this cool convergence of all of my experience coming together. You know, I spent... Yeah the front part of my career honing my my craft but also you know of the 30 years i was singing 20 of those i've been in sag after committee meetings and happen to be a great resource to productions that want to do this stuff because i know the legacy of what's been done and what needs to what what can be done mm-hmm. and and uh helping on that side be a resource is really really cool and something i'm i it's been this revelation for me of late mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay um so I, I that was a really just a spread shot answer i apologize <laughs> it, okay. because it, it really is your 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 calmly dissipating chaos yeah. <laughs> for the most part um that's not the case across the board but it's so it's there's not a typical contracting situation and i know edie can back me up on this there's it uh, i've yet to have when they're normal and fall right in the lines it's uh, it's almost like a wait whereas when's the other shoe gonna drop yeah <laughs> uh, because there's always it's always some weird thing that doesn't line up something you need to check with staff about something you know there's always those little things mm-hmm. um and just calmly being like okay i got it i'll go i will go figure this out Mm-hmm. Um, really just trusting my body of experience, trusting my, the, the resources I have and the people I know and being this great resource to, to the companies that, uh, hire us singers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I also love helping other singers, you know, prior to being, being my own, uh, you know, resource, you know, helping, continuing to help other singers when they have questions. Yeah. That's been that's been so wonderful to me. I love 
being a resource. And I mean, I, I think that's kind of at the core of why I like studio singing. I think mm -hmm. I love being a resource. And I, I look at studio singing, you're, you are a resource to a composer or, or producer of some kind who needs you to help. You're, you need to be a color on their palette for which they paint. And you, you know that color very intimately and you can help them bring you know simplify the process for them and bring their art to life three-dimensionally sonically yeah i feel like contracting is very much the same you're you're a resource now on the administrative side mm -hmm. um and yes again there are the creative things like you, sometimes you get to hire the singers though a lot of times you don't um you know at its core it's paperwork mm -hmm. paperwork management Mm -hmm. Okay. I know, right? <laughs> it's exciting. Paperwork. But, you know, but, <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I, I've been excited about it. It's been, I, I, it's been, it has, it's been a revelation for me. My, my uh, buddy Jarek came to me last, a uh, couple of years ago, um, talking about this and he asked me to be a part of this with him, this company, Concord. Mm -hmm. And, um, we started it together and it's I, I, up until that point, you know, I guess I, I had reached this glass ceiling. It was a lovely glass ceiling, mm -hmm. you know, good quality glass, good view. Um, if I had stopped there, it would, I would have already been so lucky and so grateful to just keep doing what I'm doing. But this opportunity to step up and, and apply this other set of experience I have with contracts and stuff. Applying that to my career has been this wonderful revelation. And and uh, yeah, it's I exciting. That. I I love paperwork. I'm excited about it. Hey, I'm I'm a spreadsheets girl. I am all <laughs> about I am all about that life. <laughs> I know I know more about DocuSign than I ever thought I would. They don't know what they're missing. It's good. It's right? Good stuff. It's good stuff. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> it has. It's. It's let me come come to grips with the the depth of my OCD. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and I never thought I was until the last few years, and I'm accepting it now. Yeah. Well, Edie says you have all the qualities of a great contractor, one of which just might be OCD because somebody's got to get the paperwork perfectly right. <laughs> we, we try. I, I certainly try. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you, okay. So you just mentioned Concord. I definitely, let's talk about Concord, the new, yeah. um, the new company. Tell me all about that. Who's involved and where you're going with it. It's it's me and actually a guy I sang an impact with, Jarrett Johnson, who you are talking with in, in a couple of weeks, I, I do believe. Mm -hmm. um, he and I have been really good friends for many, many years. Um, and uh, he approached me in the beginning wanting, you know, wanting information about about contracting and talking to people about doing it more. Mm -hmm. And the conversations evolved into, hey, let's do this thing together and let's just take a stab at it. Why not? We're not getting any younger. No, it, it, <laughs> it, it, wasn't, it wasn't about that. It, it was about wanting to, to affect some change. I know for me, in my journey with contracting, the very first time I ever did it, it was a nightmare. Mm 
Mm-hmm. I was 23. There's this random thing that fell in my lap that I co-contracted with a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just didn't go well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, it definitely scarred me and scared me away from it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a children's choir for, this, uh, for the band Avenged Sevenfold. Mm-hmm. Great band, if you don't know. So, I mean, it's, it's hip stuff. Uh um prog metal i don't know if they'd call themselves prog metal but they don't just do four four so it's prog metal okay (laughs) um uh but it 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 did it it messed me up for a long time Mm -hmm. um so coming back to it and and being like no this this can be different i don't have to approach this with fear Mm -hmm. you know i i was back then you know, I, I was scared. I had really, really, really upset one of my my uh, session moms, <laughs> mm. um, which, of course, you know, when I was younger, that was especially difficult mm-hmm. to feel. I, and it didn't actually end up being the case. Um, but it was just enough to really freak me out. Mm-hmm. And I stayed away from it from a very long, for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming back to flash forward to now times mm-hmm. um, and doing this with with Jarrett, not being scared anymore. I'm like, you know what? I, uh, I, I have something to offer this role. I get to, to, you know, be a mentor in a way that I, not, not that the people that mentored me didn't mentor me, but just because they did. Obvious, obviously, I am, you know, I'm standing on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get to do my version of it and, yeah. you know, I, I get, you know, I'm helping, you know, we, Jared's learning the ropes with me. We're, we're building this thing together to just be another person doing it, another group of people doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. And doing it, doing it your way, doing it our way, yeah. doing it in a way that, that, um, we feel advocates for our community mm-hmm. advocates and not to say that anyone else doesn't advocate for the community, but our, but our, the, uh, that's what I feel the most in this is us is me getting to, to mentor and do things in a way that, that I'd like to see carry on mm-hmm. when it's, when it's my turn to step away. Um, but also advocating for our town, you know, we're, with the information and knowledge that that I have at Jared has, we you know we get to be at these points of contact where we can advocate for this wonderful talent pool we have here in LA, the best in the world, without a doubt. Yeah. Not the only one in the world, but I would say the most eclectic and consistently best. Yeah, haters gonna hate. Okay, okay. Um, but I'm <laughs> and I'm bi- I'm biased and I'm right. Mm. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I, I, uh, I'm excited about those those opportunities, yeah. and and I whereas I used to be scared of it, and I, you know, I thought, well, you know, I've got a family now, I shouldn't rock the boat, just stay the course. You know, I'm grateful for this to have kind of rocked me, <laughs> rocked me out of that, mm-hmm. um, because it has. It's been such another revelation in my life. This wonderful convergence of my life's experiences coming together and being utilized. It's, it's, those are the, the, the moments that I, 
I just, um, I, I feel effervescently joyful, mm-hmm. you know, like driving home from those John Powell sessions, feeling like I was completely utilized mm-hmm. and just being exhausted, but just overjoyed because I, I, I felt like this again, you know, these moments that can, these convergence points that utilize everything in the path that's brought you to that moment. Yeah. It, those are just wonderful. And I've been so grateful to have the ones I've had. Um, and with contracting too, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know, you, it's, um, for me, it's, it's been fun. They're like these complex little puzzles to solve. Yeah. Um, and you, I, a younger me would have panicked and ang- you know, anxiously waited by my phone for an email. Um, but but now I actually look forward to it. Mm-hmm. Like, what what problem? What good problem am I going to have in my inbox? I hope I I hope one shows up in my inbox. Mm-hmm. Um, you know mm-hmm. I I I really started to look at these things these challenges as good problems. Yeah, it's actually uh, me and Jared. I uh, back when we started doing this, I got us uh, lanyards for our our uh our gig bags or whatever bags you know just to put on something that and it's just says good problems uh, i love uh, that because we're you know that's that's what we're we're here to do is make some good problems and and solve them i absolutely love looking at it that way that's amazing I, i'm that that your new venture seem it sounds so exciting i'm really happy for you and i'm excited you. to kind of watch how your you know journey moves forward. And I'm super inspired just to hear how your journey unfolded over the years. It's very inspiring. It's, it's amazing to hear how you, you know, faced all these things, overcame them and how one thing led to another, led to another. And, you know, here you are today with this, um, just new venture at your feet and, and you're just tackling, uh, what do you call them? Good problems. Yes, good problems. Good problems every day. <laughs> That's amazing. Hopefully, so, I, <laughs> we we want the good problems. You really we do don't want the bad problems. Right, right. Just the good. You really are an unstoppable singer. So I'll leave it with my final question to you for the night, which is, what makes you unstoppable? Confidence. Yeah. Confidence in my my skills and my body of work informing what I do. Mm-hmm. That confidence built on that. Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't have one like pow word, but confidence uh, is great. Confidence, yeah. Yes. I know it sounds a little cliche, but <laughs> in the trenches, that's what get gets you through is mm. trusting in your in your body of work, your skill set, mm-hmm. and knowing that whatever puzzle they throw at you, whatever in the chaos of creativity, you've got you have you have it in you to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, that confidence built on that has been my, my, uh, saving grace in those yeah. times. Love that. What a great answer. It has been such a pleasure getting to know you tonight. And Thank you. I you as well. That, yeah, this was really fun. Um, I hope that our paths will cross in person at some point and I look before, forward to it. Yeah. Before I let you go, I want to make sure that I put up your links and your website so that everybody can see, check out the new company. And here we go. We're going into the Just drop the site. There we go. 
We just uh, yeah, and so we've got your Instagram up there and everything. So everybody nice. knows where to check you out and keep tabs on you. But again, this was awesome, Fletcher. So good to know you, and you and as well, I will be rooting from you for you from the uh, Instagram sidelines. <laughs> thank you. I receive it. I thank you. Awesome. And again, thank you for having me on on the show. I'm so grateful to get to talk to you and talk to whoever's listening and watching and yes yeah thank yeah. you and thank you so much for everybody who joined us tonight live and jumped into the comments yeah we appreciate that yeah to see your your fan club came out loud and proud Yay! today. Yay! <laughs> awesome all right well i'm going to give you the rest of your night back but again thank you very much this was thank you Thanks so much for joining us. If you love this conversation as much as I did and would like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with The Unstoppable Singer and get all the behind-the-scenes content, you can follow me on Instagram at Unstoppable Singer. And while you're there, please share this episode on your Instagram stories and tag me at Unstoppable Singer. Once again, I'm Danielle Tucker, a professional singer and vocal coach. I've spent the last 25 years crafting a successful career for myself in the music industry and showing other aspiring singers how to do the same. The world needs your voice now more than ever. So get out there and create an unstoppable career. Thanks so much for joining.